Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This might have uh, the cup that I left there. Have some cups there. Okay, so today our topic is our topic today is uh, keep it down. Yes, sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Our text is Philippians chapter 1, 9 to 11. Philippians 9, 1, 9 to 11. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. This is a prayer of Paul to the church, that our love may abound still more and more. So if it is to abound, it means that we already have that love in us. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. So, he's praying for the church that our love may abound still more and more in knowledge. In other words, we get to know that we are loved by God. We get to know that God really loves us. And we have to really base our relationship on that love. So that in our relationships, we shall be able to discern how to relate with people depending upon that love that God has for us that is displayed in Christ Jesus. When this begins to happen, then we'll be able to approve the things that are excellent. We'll be able to be sincere and without offense. And then we'll be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. So you find out that in life we are faced with different situations. And it requires our response. Is it that we respond based on who we are in Christ, or we respond from our head? In other words, we respond carnally. If we respond God's way, it will, it will be better off for it because that's our new person. We are now, you know, in Christ, so we have his life. But if we respond otherwise, it causes a problem, it causes a friction, it, it becomes an issue between us and those that are around us. It's true that you cannot always control all that pushes on you because things push on you every day. It could come from people. It could come from maybe thoughts that the enemy is putting up on your head. They keep pushing on you, but your response is your choice. Your response is your choice. It is better for us to understand who we are in Christ so that that way we will respond to every issue that comes to us based on the real us, which is Christ in us. There are certain things that are thrown at us 
and it becomes a load to us. Then you find out that it is not the load that is giving you to bear. Maybe the kind of uh, wife that you have or the kind of uh, husband that you have or maybe the kind of child that you have or maybe the type of job or maybe the type of supervisor that you have. Whatever it is, it's a, it is a kind of load and it kind of weighs on you. So, but the thing is that because you are now in Christ and that is who is your life, that load is not able to break you except maybe the way you carry it. Is it that you carry it gracefully as a child of God and respond to it based on who you are in Christ or you respond to it like the people of the world, which is carnally, based on your mind, will, and emotion, the way you feel. In Christ, your feeling is no longer important. What matters is Christ in you, the life of Christ that is in you. That is all that matters. That's why you can feel wrong and you still act like because you know who you are, because you're a child of God. You're living his life. So it is important as a believer that we live our lives based on the real us, the real you. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 16 to 17 and then 21 and see what Paul said there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 16 to 17 and 21. Paul says there, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. For God met Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. The moment you come into Jesus Christ, that moment that that divine exchange took place, you are completely a brand new person. That's what Paul is explaining here. And he's saying that you are a totally new person. You have received the life of Christ in you. So you are no longer who you used to be, though you might still see some of the traits pertaining to your old life in your life. But you must reckon with the fact that you are now a new person, so you don't have to view yourself based on who you used to be. You have to view yourself based on who you are in Christ Jesus. And that means that for everyone around you that is a believer, you also see them through the eye of Christ not based on their performance. That's what Paul is telling us in verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. You stop evaluating your wife, you stop evaluating your husband, you stop evaluating your children, those who are in Christ, because they are totally brand new people. You don't reckon with what they are doing and judge them and then treat them based on those things, but you treat them based on who they are in Christ. And the moment you begin to do, live your life that way, you will enjoy the peace of God. You allow God, who is walking in you, to continue to walk in them, to change them. We sing a song, you are changing me, you are changing me. Lord, you are changing me, you are changing me by the power in your word. 
It is the Holy Spirit that is in you that comes to indwell you, that is changing you, and is also changing that person. So you give that person the room to grow. You give that person the room to change. One time that person is going to get it, just as you're getting it, growing from one level of glory to another level of glory. You don't get it overnight. Nobody burns a child today and that child matures and begins to do everything right. You give that child room to grow. Amen? But the important thing is that a human being has been born and has all the features of a human being. So you give that person the room to grow. The Bible said in, uh, in Isaiah 54, it said, In righteousness you shall be established, you shall be far from an oppression. For you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. In righteousness you shall be established. In righteousness. What does that mean? That's the gift of righteousness you receive because you have received Jesus. You have received the gift that God gave you in the person of Jesus Christ. It is his righteousness that makes you righteous. That's why it's a gift. It is not based on your performance. In the same manner, you must also understand that everyone around you that is born again, it is in righteousness that they too are being established. So that is why you give God the room to, to work on them, to make them to be who they have to be. Praise the Lord. So it is only in righteousness that people are able to live this godly life, the Christian life, so that you can enjoy peace in your home, so that you'll be able to Make a wise decision based on the real you. We sing a song, it is no longer I that live it. That's Paul's song, but Christ that lives in us. It is no longer I. So understand that your wife, your spouse, is no longer them that is living. Even though you might see the traits of the old nature, you still give them room. Be patient with everyone. Be patient with everyone, particularly those of them who are in Christ, who have been bought with the precious Christ of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, 13 and 14 says, For he has rescued us and has drawn us to himself from dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. That's where we are living. That's our new home. That's where everyone that is a child of God is living. That's our new home. We have been rescued from the kingdom of darkness. We are now in a new home. So see yourselves and see yourself in the new home. See everyone around you that is born again as being in the new home. They might not have yet have fully come to the understanding of that, but you still give them room. They will finally begin to get around and begin to understand their new home and how things function in their new home. That's why Paul said in a 1 Corinthians 2, 2, he said, For I am determined not to know anything among you except Christ and him crucified. I am determined to know that Jesus, who paid the price for your sins, paid the price for my sins. So you are a new person. So God that is working in me will continue to work in you. He said in a, in a, that our faith should not be in the wisdom of men. What is the wisdom of men? You keep doing this, doing this. You are doing that. You should have done it this way. No, that's wisdom of men. The wisdom of God is... Allow the word of God to keep on working in, the, in our lives. To keep on changing us. So that you don't take offense. You don't begin to grumble and complain and murmur and give room to the devil to begin to operate in your lives or in your family or in your situation. You allow God to vindicate you. He said that our faith should be in the power and in the wisdom of God. And what does that mean? Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. So he said that the foolishness of God is wiser than men. 
And the weakness of God is stronger than men. The foolishness of God is depend upon the life of my son. He's the one that has to live his life through you. Trust him. Trust him. Depend upon him. Know that he is your life. That is the wisdom of God. But the wisdom of men say, I can do it. I have to do it this way. I know what I'm doing. No. It is no longer I. It is Christ who lives in me. So knowing who you are in Christ will help you to see yourself through the eyes of Jesus and see others also who are born again through the eyes of Jesus. The Bible said in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He has blessed us, not going to. We are already blessed because we are in Christ. You are blessed not because of your performance, but you are blessed simply because you are in Christ. Because you are in Christ, all the blessings of Jesus automatically becomes yours because you've been accepted in the beloved. And Jesus Christ is the only beloved son of God. And because you are in him, all the love that God poured upon him is also upon you as a child of God. He has adopted you simply because you are in Christ Jesus. The Bible said in a, in a, in a, in, in the same Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. He said, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will. Not according to your performance, according to the counsel of his will. And look at verse 13. He said, In him you also trusted, after you had the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You trusted him. After you heard about him, what he did for you, that he's the son of God, he paid the full penalty for your sins. When I mean your sin, I mean past, present, and future. And then when you heard that and you trusted him after you heard that, he said, having believed, because your heart is, is important, he said, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit of promise, according to verse 14, is a guarantee that everything that belongs to Jesus is automatically yours. And he remains in you, helping you until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Until the redemption of the purchased possession. What is that talking about? The body with which we are going to be raptured has already been purchased, but it hasn't been redeemed. And that is why sometimes this flesh makes us to do one or two things that are not in line with the real us. It is important you understand it, and that, that's why you have to be patient with each other. So the Holy Spirit comes around to encourage you to know God still loves you. You can make it. The Holy Spirit is not convicting you of sin. It's convicting the world of sin. But the believer is convicting you of righteousness, reminding you that you are still in right standing with God, that God still loves you. There is no parent that when your child misses it, you throw that child out. You say, no, 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 I don't burn you again. I'm going to burn another one. Oh yeah, get out of the house. No, you are longing that that child will get it right. And you're praying, desiring, and anyhow you can do it to help that child get it right. You're doing it. God has given us his spirit in us. To help us until the redemption of the purchased position. Because he knows that we are challenged by so many things. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. So sometimes the world gets at us. But it is important you live in the consciousness of who you are in Christ Jesus. 
until the redemption of the purchased possession, the Holy Spirit is there to continue to encourage you to know that God still loves you, that he, he, you know, he, he, he means the best for you. He's still pursuing you in love, like uh, the lost sheep, and then uh, you remember the man that, that said that said the lost, uh, you know, he left the 99 sheep to go after the one that was lost. So God is still pursuing you in love, wanting you to get it right. His spirit is there to help you, to guide you, to direct you. So you have to give room for each other to know that the Holy Spirit keeps walking. So it's until the redemption of the purchased possession, until we get our new glorified body, sometimes we, stop, we, we get into sin. So you quickly get back reminding yourself that you are still a child of God. It's not a time for you to be angry and then you start lashing it out on anybody around you. It's, it's, it's the time for you to say, Daddy, I can see this another area that you and I, we have to work on this, but I trust you, Daddy, to help me. And then you begin to search the scriptures to remind yourselves again about what God said about you. You begin to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Regardless of what you're seeing in you that is not right, keep on blessing yourself. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I can do all things. This one, this two has come to pass. It's a matter of time, it shall pass. Constantly remind yourself, don't get you know, weird out by those areas of weaknesses, but understand that they are weaknesses, and then you it has to be dealt with. And it's only Christ Jesus in you that is your hope of living it right. It is not by power, it is not by might, it is by the Spirit of God. So that you don't give up on yourself. Not that you just uh, relax and just be living anyhow, doing things anyhow. But you know, there's that, as a child of God, there's that inner desire in you because of the Spirit that indwells you. Because the Holy Spirit is indwelling your spirit and your spirit guides your conscience. So your conscience will usually tell you when it is not right. And then you begin to navigate back, trusting God that is at work in you to help you to get in line with the real you again. Amen? So God responds to us simply because of Jesus. He said it in John chapter 16, 26 to 27. He said, in, in that day you will ask in, in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. The simple reason why God responds to you or do anything for you is because of Jesus. It's not by works of righteousness, but by his grace. Jesus is the grace of God given to us. It is by his grace. Grace undeserved, unmerited favor. We don't deserve it. We don't merit it. But simply because he loves us and because we have said yes to Jesus, he keeps being there for us and responding to us. And that is why Paul's uh, prayer in uh, Ephesians chapter... Ephesians chapter uh, 3, 14 to 21. Let's go through it quickly. He said, uh, For this reason, seeing the greatness of this plan by which you are built together in Christ, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that Father from whom all fatherhood takes its title and derives its name. May he grant you out of the rich treasure of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. May Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your heart. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. 
That's a prayer, a wonderful prayer. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. That is the love of the Father for you. See, and this thing, he said, and he said that it has to be that Christ will dwell, make his home in your heart. May Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your heart. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. It has to be by faith. Because things around you might not really be showing you that God really loves you. There could be challenges because they don't, they, they, you can bet on it that the enemy will want to challenge you to make you think that God does not love you, that God is not in favor of you. But you must know it and have that settled assurance in your heart. And that is why Paul is praying. He said that we are all called by him. And I don't think any, any child in any home will know that your parents love you and they mean well for you. And, you know, and our daddy God is not an infidel. He takes good care of his children. Even though we may not get it right all the time, but he's patient with us. And that's why he gave us Jesus, to help us to live this Christian life, to enjoy everything that Jesus died to give us. Verse 18, he says, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend. That is based when you're rooted in love, when you know in your heart, have that settled assurance in your heart that God loves you, that Jesus really, really is inside of you, that Jesus lives in you. He said, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth and length and height and depth of it? That you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves. It is when you experience the reality of God's presence in you that Christianity begins to make more sense to you. If it's just word, word, because the, 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 the Bible said that the, the, the word of God is not only in words, it's in power to God demonstrates himself to his children. He comes around to help his children. He said that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourself the love of Christ, which far surpasses man's knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, may have the richest measure of the divine presence may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Can you imagine when you, you become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself? Anything, whatever is oozing out from you is in line with the word of God. It's in line with the life of Christ. But it comes through you having it settled in your heart that you're a child of God, that God lives in you. The greater one lives in you than he that is in the world. You are of God. You have overcome them. Because the greater one lives in you than he that is in the world. Because the Bible says whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. What is the victory that has overcome the world? It is your continuing believing that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And that he loves you. That he paid the full penalty for your sin. You lean totally on what he did for you in your day-to-day -day lives. I remember the... Years back, uh, when uh, you know, I I was you know I was kind of struggling with this, and we were really struggling financially and otherwise, matrimonially. A lot of things were happening in our home, but the moment God began to give me the revelation of this thing, that God lost me, that He meant well for me, and I took it, and I began to thank God. I said, I'm not going, I'm no longer going to bother about what was happening in our lives. It didn't take long. 
I began to see the manifestations of God's glory, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I began to see the visible evidence financially, matrimonially. Things began to happen in a way and manner, fast, fast, fast. I didn't dream of coming to America, but all that culminated into God because he said, I, have, I know the plan that I have for you, plans for good, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. He brought us here and he did us so good. That is a long testimony. But it is important for you to know that you know that you know that God loves you because that is going to secure your faith, help you to be grounded even in your relationship with your spouses, even in your relationship with your children, with others around you. The Bible said in Romans chapter 8, 31, 32, 37, it said there, if God is for you, he said, who can be against you? Your job is patiently live based on the real you, based on who you are in Christ. It might sound foolish and stupid. People might call you names. But don't take offense because you know yourself. You know who you are. You know whose you are. He said he didn't spare his only son. He gave him all for you. It could be maybe you're desiring for one thing or the other. That thing shall surely come to pass. It's a matter of time. I don't know whatever it is. But in the kingdom of God where you are, it is righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. And nothing hot is there. Understand and stay in your new home. Just let your moderation be made known unto all men. Live based on your, your home, your, the, 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 thing, the way things happen in your new home. The Bible explains all that to you. And it won't take long. Whatever you want will come to pass. Because he said in verse 37, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors? With all that is happening around me? Yes. You are more than a conqueror. He said, and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us. Because of Jesus that is in you. Overwhelming victory is yours. And nothing can separate you from that love that he has for you. Paul said in verse 38, For I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from that love. What is yours will surely come to you, but you have to be patient and walk within the confines of the real you, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He said in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, he said, let your character or moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for early positions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you without, in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Verse 6 says, so we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be seized with alarm, I will not fear or dread or be 
terrified. What can man do to me? Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is always the same yesterday, today, yes, and forever to the ages. Amen. You must know this for yourself. He said, there's no rivalry at all. There's no competition between husband and wife. There's no competition between you and your children. There's no competition between you and anybody. There's no point seeking for those things that you're pursuing that is hindering you from knowing, understanding the real you. If Christ is your life, it's important that you spend your time getting to know this your real life. God has assured you here that he will not in any degree leave you nor forsake you. He said, assuredly not. He said he will not relax his hold on you. So you can always boldly, no matter what they say, no matter what they do, you can always boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. I remember when we were in Nigeria, it was like nothing was moving. People were calling my husband's name, saying you keep carrying Bible, how he's going to train your children. He didn't take offense. He knew that he didn't know any better. He knew who he was. So he just trusted in the Lord. Today is a different ballgame. A lot of those people today are calling him for help. God is faithful, but we must have to stick with who we are in Christ. Remain where he has placed you and trust him for whatever you don't have. He will get you there. Love your wife, love your husband, love your children. Treat them with the, see them with the eyes of Jesus Christ. And don't get offended. Say, keep your cool. God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing in your life. And he will surely get you there. Amen? God is not a man that he should lie. So you must know that God is faithful. Whatever he says comes to pass. Say, God is not a man that he should lie. According to Numbers 23, 19. Nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? The strength of Israel cannot lie. According to 1 Samuel chapter 12, 29, 15, 29. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent. For he is not a man that he should repent, nor relent. Whatever God has said about you holds true. So long as you are in Christ Jesus. He said we have to be fully convinced. That he loves us. He said, what, the word of God, what God has promised you will never return unto him void. According to Isaiah 55, if you read 10 to 11, his word will not return unto him void. If he has assured you, just trust in me. Know that my son is in you. He is your hope of glory. Glory means that things will happen in your life so that people will say, wow, glory to God. Jesus is your hope of glory. He will get you there. He said in 1 John chapter 4, 4 to 7, he said, uh, little children, believers, dear ones, you are of God, you belong to God. He said, and you have overcome whatever the enemy throws at you. He said, because he, God, is settled in your life in the passing of his spirit, the spirit of Christ that dwells in you. That's why if you do not have the spirit of Christ in you, you don't belong to God. You are not a child of God at all. You must make sure that you're genuinely a child of God by making sure that you have indeed in your heart of heart received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us unselfishly love and seek the best for one another. Not seeking the best for them when they are treating us good. But you seek the best for them because you know who you are, that you are a child of God. You have love in you. 
It said, for love is from God, and everyone who loves, who loves others is born of God and knows God through personal experience. So we are called to love unselfishly. You have a lot of selfish love today based on what I can get, the way you're treating me, how the way you are treating me makes me feel, will determine if I'm going to love you. But the love that we are called to love is the love of God, unselfish love. God loved us even when we did not love him. Verse 8 says, the one who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not and never did know him, for God is love. He is, he is the originator of love, and it is an enduring attribute of his nature. By this, the love of God was displayed in us, in that God has sent his one and only begotten son, the one who is truly unique the only one of his kind, into the world so that we might live through him. Because God sent Jesus, that's a display of God's love for you, that someone should pay the full penalty for your sins, past, present, and future. But it is until you believe it that it begins to work for you. Verse 10, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. That is the atoning sacrifice and the satisfying offering for our sins Fulfilling God's requirement for justice against sin and placating his wrath. What Jesus did satisfied God's wrath for us. For eternity. It did. But you have to believe it for it to begin to work for you. You have to believe it. And he said, no one, verse, verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. But if we love one another with unselfish concern. God abides in us, and his love, the, the love that is his essence, abides in us, and is completed and perfected in us. Now, if you look at uh, verse 17, he said, in this union, that's the, our, the union we have with Christ, love is completed and perfected with us. And then he goes ahead at the last cell of it to say, because as Christ is, so are we in this life. As Christ is, not as Christ was, as Christ is, seated right now at the right hand of God the Father. Remember that we are seated together with him in the heavenly places, according to uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. That's your sitting position, seated, JJ, and Christ is sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and you're right in him, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you, you have to understand that your dwelling place, you have to understand your new home, your position in the home. And verse 18 says, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear. Because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. That's what makes people afraid. And God is about, is, to, is getting at me. Maybe this is happening to me because uh, I don't pray enough or because of this or because of that. You are the one who caused it. It's because of what you did. So long as you keep blaming others and you don't take responsibility for your life, understanding that Jesus is your life, you will not move forward. You will not. So we have to really be rooted in the love that God has for us and that will determine the way we relate with people around us so that we don't easily take offense. We'll be able to approve the things that are excellent. We'll be able to love genuinely from our hearts. God kind of love. Verse 21 says, if anyone says I love God 
and hates walks against his Christian brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should also unselfishly love his brother and seek the best for him. It is understanding the love that God has for you that will help you to do that. Otherwise, you can do things that physically shows that you love, but in your heart, you, there's a hate, there's a resentment, there's a bitterness, and God is interested in your heart. God wants to see from your heart that you're loving, that you're helping, that you're genuinely concerned about each other. So, and he's working 24-7 to make you, to excel in life, in your walk with God, in this godly life, and also in every affair of life, down to provisions. We, he said, he called us in faith, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he said, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once we are not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. God called you a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Even that your spouse, who is a child of God, he's, she's a chosen generation. That your husband is a chosen generation. That your child is a chosen So long as they are in Christ, God has handpicked them. God determined that as many as who believe in his son, Jesus Christ, that he's going to make them his own. He's going to adopt them into his family. We used to sing this song <coughs> in, um, that says... Uh, we are a chosen generation. And we sing it and we dance it and then uh, we just shout and uh, we very much are like, we are a chosen generation. We've been called for to show his excellence. He said, all I require for life, God has given me. And I know who I am. He said, I know who God says I am, what he says I am, where he says I'm at. I know who I am. He said, I'm walking in power. I'm walking in miracles. I live a life of favor, for I know who I am. That it really be true. That it not just be a mouth thing. And then we also sing, we say, I'm holy, and I'm righteous, and I'm so rich, and I'm beautiful. Take a look at me. I'm a wonder. It doesn't matter what you see now. Can't you see his glory? For I know who I am. How many of you know who you are? Really? That is the cross of the matter. It is important that as we are singing this song, we know that this is really real. This is us. But it has to be a, a, a faith thing. We have to believe it and know that this is genuinely true about us. So, so that we, keep, we have to keep on declaring it. We have to keep on declaring it. Your, the Bible says your faith becomes operative as you continue to, to acknowledge those things that God has done for you in Christ Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, 19 to 23 says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. This is what this, I brought this cup for. God lives in Christ. 
this is God. So, I mean, this is, assuming this is Christ, sorry, this is God, this is God, sorry, and then this is, this is a Christ, and this is you. It's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. So God is in you, Christ is in you, you are in Christ, you are in God. So that's what he's talking about, union, the union with Christ. So all his attributes, all his, whatever makes God God is in you. Whatever makes God God is in you. So you must understand this and you must live in the reality of that. And the Bible said in Colossians chapter 2, 6 to 7, it said, verse 7 in particular, it said, have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in him, fixed and founded in him, being continually built up in him. So longest day you live, you are just growing to understand who you are in Christ. You're already in him and he is in you. God is in you. That's why the Bible said in Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, it said, you are complete in Christ. Complete, complete, complete in him. It's not by works of righteousness, but by his grace alone. We are complete in him, lacking nothing. So Christ is your life. He's your righteousness. He's your peace. He's your holiness. He's your character. He's your conduct. He's your hope of glory. He's your all in all. Everything that makes God, God is in Christ. And everything that makes Christ, Christ, a child of God, is already in you. So those attributes are in you. But you have to continue to believe it. And as you keep on studying the, the, the word of God to get to understand the real you, then these things begin to manifest through your life. According to that 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it takes you from one level of glory to another level of glory. As you continue to behold as in a mirror the glory of God. Who is the glory of God? Christ in you. Praise the Lord. So you must not allow your present situation or maybe your past or Whatever is happening to you today to determine who you are. You must understand that your future is bright, secured in Christ Jesus. But you must have to get to keep on fellowshipping to get to understand the real you, who you are in Christ. To get to understand that Jesus Christ himself is your hope of glory. And you keep on declaring these things. And God gave us a wonderful gift with which to continue to declare this, which is our mouth. It is with his mouth that he said he created and he gave us the same thing, privilege. But the only thing is that sometimes we use it negatively to our disadvantage. The Bible said in a Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20, 21, it said, a man's stomach will be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. That's awesome. A man's stomach will be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. So why say things that are in line with who you are based on the word of God, and you're going to be satisfied with that. I am holy, I am righteous, oh, I'm walking in power, I'm walking in miracle. But make sure that you're really grounded in the scriptures to know that these things are true. But when you begin to say, huh, I cannot make it, it's, you know, these people are lucky, it doesn't work for me. That is going to be your experience, because as a man thinks in his heart, in his heart, so is he. The Bible says, it shall be unto you according to your faith. As you have spoken into my ear, so will I do to you. So you have to begin to say in line, like the Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You can frame your world with your mouth, with your tongue. The Bible said in verse 21 of that Proverbs 18, 
death and life are in the power of the tongue. God gave you, the, the death there is for you to call to death anything that needs to die. I remember I had an issue, an issue with this, my finger. It wasn't functioning properly for many, for many, many months. And then I began to bless you. I said, ah, you are, this is the finger of God. Jesus is in me. The life of Jesus is oozing out. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in this finger, quickening you, supplying life. Every day I go to her, I say, what a beautiful finger, the finger of Jesus, serving the purposes of God. Ah, the life that is in me is oozing out, touching this life. I didn't even know when they stopped. But it was there for months until I began to open my mind. I said, I have to take charge of this body. God has given me death to call to death this. I say, whatever is the root cause of this, I call you to death. I curse you to your root. Yeah, I say, finger, I have good news for you. You function properly and normally. And this finger is awesome now. Praise the Lord. So you must have to make use of what you have been given, life and death. Frame your life, frame your world with your tongue. The Bible said in James chapter, chapter 3, verse 12, it said, Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. What is it telling you? What you're saying? It has to be either sweet, based on who you are in Christ, or you're towing the line of the world. The Bible said in verse 6, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. What we say can eager trigger of strife in your relationship, can even aggravate your health. You lie down and you're tossing on the bed because of the things you said about people. You know, and you sadden the Holy Spirit by whom you have been, you be, that is keeping you and is keeping your, your brother or your, your sister or your spouse. The Bible said that God already gave us his word. And who is his word? Jesus Christ. Say he sent his word and healed us. Jesus is the word of God that God gave to us. So we must have to know these things and begin to speak in line with who we are. Speak as God's oracle. Speak like Christ. Minister life to those around you. Don't minister death. He said, uh, uh, David said in Psalm 119, he said, how sweet are your words to my say, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Through your precepts. What is his precepts? The word of God. And the word of God is God himself. The word of God is Christ. The Bible said of him in Revelation 19 verse 13, he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the word of God. Talking about Jesus. Speak in line with who you are. Speak that language to people around you. Bring, bring blessings. Where there's a casting down, begin to speak a lifting up. Even in the places where you walk, let them know you as a person of peace. As the, you know, because Jesus, the light is in you. Let them see you as someone that brings you know, a, a sweet atmosphere, a sweet aroma of God. Because you are the fragrance of Christ. Jesus came and was made manifest to destroy the works of darkness. So you must know that no work of darkness can overrule you because of the power of God that is at work in you. He came that you might have life and have it to the full till it overflows. So you must understand who you are, that you have the life of God oozing out in you. But make room for that life to continue to ooze out by trusting in the one 
who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Understand that the Lord is your shepherd, Psalm 23. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. What is he supposed to do? They say, to feed, guide, and shield me, so I shall not lack. He's in you to provide. He's in you to protect. He's in you to guide you. How does he guide you? Through his word. That's why in Psalm 107, verse 21, say, oh, that men will praise the Lord. For his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Oh, that men will praise the Lord that God himself came and is indwelling us and is living this life of victory for us. And that's why he said in all things, give me thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for my life. In all things, thank him. Because God has your back covered. He is faithful. He said it in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be. Be thankful and give thanks. For this is the will of God for you, who are in Christ Jesus, the revealer and mediator of that will. He said, faithful is he who is calling you to himself, and utterly trustworthy. And he will also do it, fulfill his call by hallowing and keeping it. But you yourself must understand that God is faithful, and you continue to trust him. Hebrews chapter 12 says, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence. With endurance and active persistence, the race that is set before us. Those people that are gone before us, they have testified of the truth and of the faithfulness, absolute faithfulness of God. That's why it is good to keep on going through the, the Bible, study the word of God. The word of God is recorded for us to go through the history to understand what happened to people, how God came through for them. So that that will help you to build your faith, to stay strong in your convictions that whatever God said about you will surely happen. He said, how, do you, how did they do it? And how do you do it? He said, looking away from all that would distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who by the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disgracing, sorry, disregarding, disregarding the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work, looking away from all that will distract. Don't focus on your spouse. Your spouse is not your standard. Don't focus on anyone else. Jesus is your standard. God said, look away from everything else and focus on Jesus. What you focus on is what you're going to be like. It's important you be mindful on a daily basis. What you focus on, who is your mentor? Who is mentoring you every day? Who are you focusing on? Who do you spend the most of your time with? Your thoughts. Where is it focused on? God said to us, Look away from all that would distract unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. And keep on declaring him as your righteousness. There are many sicknesses and diseases people are going through today, many, many, many issues of life. 
that people are going through today because they're not focusing on the real deal. They're not focusing on Christ. They are focusing on the wrong thing, focusing on their spouse or you did me this, you didn't do me this, it's because this person did. Mothers, please do not focus on your children. Give them room. They will all grow and they will all change. What was your life like when you were just like them? Allow the God that is working in you to continue to walk in them so long as they are children of God. The primary thing is get them to get to know the Lord Jesus if they have not yet known him. And the moment they know him, encourage them to fellowship with the word of God. You are not their maker. God is their maker. Don't get yourself aggravated and get into high blood pressure and all manner of things. And you talk unbelief, hindering the work of God in their lives. You can only encourage them, remind them of who they are in Christ, but leave them with God. God knows what he's doing. The Bible said that our children shall be taught by the Lord and grace shall be their peace. Allow God, don't aggravate your health by focusing on them, policing them, saying things that is contrary in line with the real you. Who knows that we don't judge people again today based on what we see, but based on the fact that they are new in Christ Jesus. They have received the life of Christ. It is important we understand what we are saying so that we don't open the door for the devil. The Bible said in, uh, in James chapter 3, verse 16, for wherever there is jealousy, envy, and contention, rivalry, selfish ambition, said there will also be confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. Wherever there is jealousy, rivalry, we must do away with such kind of things. And it is not in your own strength. It is in the strength of the one who is in you. And that is why it is important you must understand who you are in Christ. Verse, verse, verse 17 says, But the wisdom from above, remember, Christ, the wisdom of God and the power of God. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure, undefiled, then it is peace-loving, courteous, uh, considerate, gentle. It is willing to yield to reason, full of compassion and good fruits. It is wholehearted and straightforward, impartial and unfeigned, free from doubt, wavering and uh, insincerity. The wisdom from above. Christ, your wisdom. Christ, the wisdom of God and the power of God. So, if it's not the wisdom of God, Christ, the wisdom of God, you're on the wrong path. And it's going to produce the fruit of the flesh. I called it the fruit of the flesh, not the fruit of the devil. It is the fruit of the flesh. And the only way to checkmate the fruit of the flesh is by going back to who, the real you, go back to the world, understand who you are. So you can checkmate the flesh and nip it on the board and live based on the wisdom of God, Christ, the wisdom of God, and the power of God. And let's look at verse 18. It says, and the harvest of righteousness, of conformity to God's will, is thought in thought and deed, is the fruit of the seed sown in peace by those who work for and make peace in themselves and in others. That peace, which means concord, agreement, and harmony between individuals with undisturbedness 
in a peaceful mind free from fears and agitation, passions and moral conflicts. The harvest of righteousness. The harvest of, the harvest of righteousness is what we read in verse 17. That is peace-loving, courteous, considerate, gentle, and so on. It is sown in peace, which means you're going to be pursuing peace with each other. What does it mean to pursue? It's like it's running away from you, but you go after it. You pursue peace. How do you pursue it? You keep in line with the real you. You choose to live. Remember I told you that everything involves choices. Oh, no, 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 this is not the way. This is what, not the word said. That means you must have to be familiar with what the word said about you. Praise the Lord. It is sown in peace. It is sown in peace to, with, to those that are make, choose, choosing to pursue peace. So your goal in life should be to pursue peace, to follow who the real you, the life of Christ in you, to follow the life of Christ in you. The Bible made us to understand that you know, in uh, Psalm 133, verse, verse, uh, verse 3, he said that, uh, verse 1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Can you imagine in family where there is peace, there is unity. Everything is going to be goody-goody. I mean, if the devil shows up, you just checkmate him. You just not, you know, snuff him out of your life. But each person should make sure that he or she is pursuing peace. The Bible said we should follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. You will not witness the manifestations of God's glory upon your life if you're not following peace. God is already in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. But we're talking about the visible manifestation. You are hindering his manifestation, the manifestations of his glory upon your life. And apart from that, you become a hindrance to the other people that might want to get to know him. So you understand that yeah, it's God who makes us different from one another. So, we trust him to help each other to grow. Choose not to be a stumbling block to anyone, to, to hinder them from, from growing. God is the one who is keeping you and he's the one who is keeping the other person. The Bible said in Jude, in Jude 1 verse 24, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, of falling into sin and to present you unblemished, blameless, and faultless in the presence of his glory with triumphant joy and unspeakable delight. He's the one that is keeping all of us. But remember, in all of these things, in conclusion, remember that it is not in your own strength. The Bible said in, um, in Philippians chapter 2.13, not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire, both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. And remember, in Philippians 4.13, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Christ is your life. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Choose to approve things that are excellent. The things that are excellent are his ways. Choose not to avenge for yourself. God will pull you through and all that belongs to you 
you will surely see to manifest as you continue to look unto Jesus, who is your life. Shall we bow our heads in prayer?